I am very grateful for the woman who taught Ricky Draper to pray. I mean, I love his music, but he brings me to the throne of grace when he prays. And the woman who taught him to pray is his mother. Thank you, Kathy. She taught him to pray in all kinds of ways. He was telling me some of them, all the little routines where he prays. And he prayed for his mom uh, on a regular basis at her request. And so it's, it's a beautiful story of discipleship by a mother of her son. And we have been going through all these family relationships in the book of Ephesians. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, and in verse 21 of chapter 5, he begins to talk about submission. Now, we said this story is amazing and messy grace. Amazing, messy grace. The amazing grace is the pure grace God gives for us so perfectly, where he balances justice and love perfectly in his sovereign and providential wisdom. But for us, when we apply it, it's so hard sometimes to know how to do it. And this verse I'm going to read today, this paragraph, is uh, in some ways like that. It's a challenging paragraph in different kinds of ways. Uh, it is the last teaching that the apostle gives about these relationships. Now he's going to step into another part of the letter. He's wrapping it up. So we only have two more messages from the book of Ephesians now. Next week we're going to talk about putting on the whole armor of God. So that'll be next week's message. And then we're going to wrap up the book of Ephesians, and then I'll be preaching the series from Christmas, uh, Come Down for Christmas. And we're going to take Philippians chapter 2, that hymn of Christ emptying himself, and we're going to take it phrase by phrase and find those events in the life of Jesus and apply them in the Christmas story. See how Jesus came down for Christmas and how we can come down too. All right? So that's what we'll be looking at. Now we're in chapter 6, verse 5, where it says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly, as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. So we have this amazing passage which finishes out the teachings on submission that begin with submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then to the marriage, the wife in her submission, the husband in his self-giving love. And then to the child, who obeys the parent and the father who does not exasperate the child but brings him up. 
And now we have this passage which is most frequently applied to the working place, wherever you work, to your boss, to your behavior as an employee. And it is straightforward that the one you serve is Christ. He is the one you please. You're not seeking just to give somebody favor on this earth. You're seeking the favor of heaven as you do your work. And your real master is in heaven. And so this is how you do your work. And we have this amazing change at the end where he says to the masters, their master, that is that slave of yours, his master is in heaven too as is yours, and God will show no favoritism. As I prepared to preach this message, I was talking with a group of guys, and one of them said, well, what about the whole question of slavery? And if you go to the commentaries, sometimes they'll do a little bit with it, but the bigger question is, you know, What is this institution of slavery? We understand the family is ordained of God, that you've got the family given of God, but is slavery itself an institution that God would endorse? And, of course, there were preachers all over the South, right here in New Orleans, who 200 years ago would have preached the legitimacy of the institution of slavery. I like what they say about the first missionary to India, William Carey. He went to India and began a ministry among what they called the untouchables, which was the lowest of the low in India. And he taught them the gospel. He started schools. He taught them who they were in Christ. And the testimony of the untouchables is that William Carey brought us salvation, education, and dignity. He brought us a sense of self-worth, self-esteem that we did not have before. That comes with the gospel, all right? That comes with the gospel. Everywhere the gospel is embraced, wholeheartedly received, There is this sense that I am somebody in Christ, that he has adopted me into his family, and that I can love myself, that I'm a person of worth and equal status with every other human. That happens in the gospel. And you see this teaching on submission. And you may think, well, this teaching about submission is in tension with or in opposition to the idea of the dignity of humans. Because who wants to be a mat for people to walk on? Well, I will say to you first, submission is not about being somebody's doormat. Submission is about you acknowledging Jesus as Lord every day in every relationship in your life. That's what submission is. If you look back through this, 
every place where he calls for submission, he calls for it in reverence to the Lord, doing the will of God from the heart. Our fundamental submission is to Jesus as Lord. And every relationship then is secondary to this submission. And when we follow Christ, we are following the one who submits, who is the perfect picture of submission in his own life, who lays down his life on behalf of others. And we get the sense throughout the Scripture, and especially in the teachings of Jesus, that I am to care for the other, to take care of his interests even above my own. That my life is not about selfish pursuits and self-interest, but about the needs and concerns of those around me. That love is centered on the other, not just on myself. And so in the workplace, I apply this. And I seek to live out my faith in submission to Jesus as an employee who honors God with every minute that that person pays me and everything that I do. Seeking to do it to the best of my ability, knowing that one day I'll give an account to my real boss, which is God. And if I am the boss, I continually remind me when I, myself when I walk into the room that I've got a boss in heaven. And I don't need to threaten people who are under me. Because I know I'm going to give a report as well to how I behave in this place. And so I am under the Lord Jesus and submitted to him even as the CEO or the president of the company or the manager or the foreman. That God is ultimately the one to whom I give my answer. And this submission ought to be beautiful. And it ought to be a great testimony to your submission to Christ as you do your work as unto Him. So submit to one another in love and embrace equality with grace. The teaching of the gospel is you are not less than me and I am not less than you. That we have a standing before, before God that is equal. That the ground, as the old Baptist preacher said when I was a boy and I never forgot it, the ground is level at the cross. It's a beautiful picture. All right? And that is what the Apostle Paul is saying in this text. He's saying the ground is level at the cross. And God does not show partiality. God judges righteously and fairly. And without favoritism this equality of which we speak is in the heart of the gospel we say we are all sinners in this sense we are equal right every human has gone astray everyone has turned to his own way in this sense we are all equal 
And not a single human can save himself. In this sense, too, we are all equally helpless. We are all desperately in need of the grace of God, his saving grace. In all these things, we are equal. And the gospel calls us to see this. That he is not less than me. Whatever his skin color may be, whatever his class, whatever his culture, whatever his mother tongue, whatever his standing, he is not less than me. And I am not less than him. There is this tendency in the human heart towards self elevation and self-promotion. We are all like the fella in Scripture who loved to be first. And if we sense in us this creeping thought that this person over here is less than me, we ought to identify that immediately as ungodliness. That's not how that person views, is viewed by God. You're seeing them differently than God sees them. You don't look at somebody and say, that person's less than me. No matter what, they're standing economically or culturally. Because to do so is to step outside of the perspective of God. Nor do you say, I am less than that person. You don't judge yourself to be less. If you do so, once again, you're stepping outside of the perspective of God on you. You need to completely and fully receive the truth that the ground is level at the cross and God loves you as much as he loves anybody in the world. And you have full dignity and worth. You are made in the image of God. Jesus died on the cross for you. He adopts you fully into his family. There is no second-class citizenship in the church of Jesus Christ nor the kingdom of God. You didn't get second place. You didn't get a lower standing because of your moral history, because of where you came from, because of the things you did before you knew the grace that is made manifest in Jesus. Before you were saved, some of us think, well, we could never be fully received. We can never be full citizens because of our past, because of our history. See, that's an ungodliness we need to get rid of. We need to fully receive who we are in Christ. I am not less than you. And you are not less than me. Now this fundamental teaching is embedded in the gospel. And it is right here in this text. When he says, the slave's master is in heaven. Your master is in heaven. And he shows no favoritism. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I met these two men wearing their blue jeans and worn out boots. They were building fence for my boss, Mac. They didn't speak English. I spoke a little Spanish. I was working for the summer. I don't know how long they worked. I know they worked six days a week from sunup to sundown building fence for Mac. 
Mac owned bulldozers and he owned the ranch. These two men lived in an abandoned house in the middle of the ranch. It had no utilities, no running water, no electricity. If they ran out of food, Mac brought them food. I don't remember them ever showing up in town. I was startled to find out that Mac was paying them $2 a day for 12 hours in the sun digging post holes. They made $2 a day. I was 16 years old and I was making $1.30 an hour. Mac was paying Social Security for me and income tax. And I made more the first day I worked than they made all week. This text says... One day, those two workers will stand before the Lord to give an account for how they did their work. And right beside them will be Mac. He'll be there too. For their master and his master is in heaven. bosses. We've heard about the sexual harassment this week in the entertainment industry and now all kind of reports coming out. If we are guilty of putting pressure for sexual favors on people who are under our authority at work, believe me, you will answer to God one day for that. CEOs will answer for their assistance and how they were treated. Doctors will answer how they treat their nurses. Foremen will answer how they treat their laborers. Law enforcement will answer how they treated prisoners. We think more than, less than. We think there's a hierarchy of value of humans. But this text says, slave or free. Later on, the apostle says, Jew or Gentile, male or female, we are all what? One in Christ. And the abuse of authority in any human institution, God cares about. God marks it down. And people will give an answer for how they treat those who are under them in their authority. Embrace equality with grace. When you walk into the classroom, you just know every one of these students is as important to God as I am. Every one of them has the same value and dignity and worth as I do. When you walk into that hospital physician, you say every one of these patients and nurses and assistants has the same worth and dignity before God as I do. Because it's the truth. And we must operate as followers of Jesus out of this truth. Now, seeking to achieve justice in this world, you pursue justice with wisdom. 
You address injustice with wisdom in this world because it's hard. Was it just for Onesimus to be the slave of Philemon? Was slavery a just system in the Roman world or here in these United States? I would say no. No, in fact, slavery ended because gospel preachers came under conviction in part because gospel preachers came under conviction. The great Charles Spurgeon was preaching this very thing. It is wrong. And slavery was done away with in the Western world. You know, the last place that they did away with slavery was Brazil, 1888. Do you know there are 30 million slaves in the world today? We have them right here in the city of New Orleans. Children who were deliberately addicted to drugs so that their pimps could control them with their addiction. Maybe you didn't know that happened. Do you know there are people in the world who bear children in order that they can sell them? Do you know that there are little girls in the world who have already been promised to an older person, the contract's been signed, and it's profitable for their parents to do this? This is an economic boost to the family to marry them off to somebody else who's got lots of money, and so they have no choice in the matter. When we talk about modern-day slavery, we're talking about the in the indebtedness that a family has, which the children are required to pay off and work sometimes for years to do so. Arrangements that are made where children are bought and sold. I've talked to you about Carla Faye Tucker. She was executed in 1997 for two brutal murders. The first woman to be executed in 100 years in Texas. I knew her. I baptized her. I taught her the scriptures for several years you say what in the world can make a woman so twisted and hard inside that she would take a pickaxe and kill two people with it you know Carla Faye Tucker was sold into sex slavery as a child by her mother what do you think happens to somebody whose mom does that you know, it, it breaks something inside of you. Your self-worth collapses. And by her own testimony, she was a hard, angry, violent teenager who was damaged goods because her mom sold her as a child. What's a remedy? For such a world as this. I mean how does the world heal. When these kind of things go on. And you, you ask that question yourself. You wonder. How does, how does it. Get healed. From these sorrows and wounds. And I think it's here. In this book. In these texts. We've been reading. I think we underestimate the power of the love of God at places like Rivard. You may think, well, those, those kids are hopeless. No. God is at work with those kids. 
I have been there. And I know God deals with them. And God's dealing with the folks at OPP, Sim and Pat. When you go in there week after week, God is dealing with those prisoners. And God is blessing the folks at Jefferson Healthcare and the children that are part of our ministries. I don't know where you think the hopeless are, but God says there's always hope in Christ. And I believe that love prevails in this world. Because I believe God finally wins and God is love. All right? I think the scripture teaches that the love of God conquers all these things that break humans up and tear us apart and bring us down and and harden us on the inside. Love is the answer. And it is the love of Christ made known to us through his death upon the cross, God has demonstrated his love for you in that while you were still hard and going your own way, doing your own thing, while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. It's the great truth of the gospel. God loves sinners. He loves them. And his love compels us compels us to make a change, compels us to do something different, compels us to come to him. His love compels us, and your love compels people too. God uses you to love your neighbor, to love the stranger, to love even your enemy. And in doing so, you mimic the pattern of God who loved us when we were enemies of him. And he uses that love unleashed in you to change the people around you, to speak to them about the hope they have, and to let them know of the Christ who cares for them. I'm so glad that somebody taught me about Jesus. You know? I'm so glad that the love of God calls me to treat my neighbor justly. And to work for justice in the world. The gospel pulls down the despot and the dictator. It pulls down slavery and apartheid. It pulls down the old patriarchy where women were just property of men. Understood properly, this egalitarian gospel brings down these forms of enslavement that people might be liberated to be the folks God called them to be with full dignity and worth, understanding who they are as his children in the world. I suspect maybe there's somebody here who's been thinking, I'm less than. I'm less than. I'm less than these other people. I really shouldn't, I'm not worthy. I shouldn't be here. I I could never be part of that, you know. If they really knew who I was, they would never accept me. There's somebody maybe that's feeling that inside. I want to assure you now, this is the word of God to you. God loves you fully, as fully as he loves anyone on earth. And he calls you to himself and he wants you in his family. God so passionately loves you that he wants you with him forever and he's made a way for you to be with him forever. That's how much he loves you. He wants you in his presence always. Jesus went to prepare a place, he said. 
for his disciples. And he will come back and receive us unto himself so that where he is, we will be also. I can't fathom that. Can you? Can you fathom that, that God loves us that much? This is good news. Receive the good news. Believe the Savior. Trust in him. Bow with me, please. As we bow our heads together, if you've been thinking, you know, I'm blessed then. Would you just pray, confess this to God? Have you ever trusted Jesus as Savior? Would you turn to him now with a whole heart? Lord, I pray for those who feel less than. God, that you would help them know how great a love you have for them. That they would know it through your church and through your people. That would it be apparent to them by, by how we live our lives as followers of Jesus. That, that they really do have great worth in your sight. Lord, thank you for your amazing grace. Help us to receive it gladly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.